this year at Northside, our focus, our theme is the light of life, which comes from John chapter 8, verse 12. And we've been talking about that. We're going to be talking about that a lot more as we go along from the pulpit. But as we said at the beginning, uh, this theme, this focus is not just about Bible reading. It's about Bible doing. And so we've been having these light of life ministries and some folks that are involved with that. And I've got a couple of pictures that I'm real excited and we're going to keep sharing these as we go along. A group, uh, one of the small groups uh, decided to have a game night to help out the Carpenter Place ministry and they went and they built some relationships with some girls and had a good time doing it. And uh, I'm so excited. I know that the uh, Light of Life ministry and campaign, some of them are looking different and they're going to take shape and look a little different as you as you go along and have different projects for different folks. But we're going to share some of these things. And as you're doing them, if you'll use the hashtag NS Lights, that'll help us to be able to share what the good work that God is doing through your hands and your hearts as we are in Sunday, Sunday mornings in a series called Habit. And this series is focusing on five little things that we can do that will make a big impact in our walk with God. The first one we talked about was holiness. We said, you got to have holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord, the scripture tells us. So it's very important. But how we try to do that is try to build up our pile. We try to make our stack. We try to achieve righteousness on our terms. And the prophet Isaiah says that's basically like a pile of filthy rags. You can't do it. You need God to bestow holiness to you. Then, once you've been, once you are positionally holy, then out of the overflow of your life comes practical holiness. Then we moved on to the idea of accountability, which is a real loaded word, a word we don't, you know, we're either very comfortable with or totally uncomfortable with. We say you gotta have first accountability towards God. You gotta believe that you're gonna have to answer for your life. Then you have to have reflection on your own heart in comparison with God's standard. That's the inward accountability. And then you have to have outward accountability where you're willing to step outside of your comfort zone and help a brother or sister in Christ. Uh, and to make them better and likewise they should make you better. As one man sharpens another, so iron sharpens iron. Last week we talked about the Bible. And how that is so impactful. It's such a unique book. And that how our attitude toward the text makes a difference in whether or not we'll even open the book to read it. And then go beyond that, not not just to read it, but to meditate on it, to memorize it, and certainly of all those things to obey it. So you've been given some ideas, some practical habits, some ways in which you can put that into practice. This morning... I want to talk to those of you who are feeling like this vessel right here. This vessel has nothing in it. It's empty. You feel like it, it, you come to church and yet you're disconnected. You associate with Christian people, and yet you hunger and thirst for connectivity and depth in your relationships. You you go through worship in the exact order it is prescribed, and yet you leave feeling empty. If you're feeling that way this morning, this lesson is 
just for you. And I will tell you, it will not be an easy one to hear. You will not like what the preacher has to say. But my goal is to help you fill the emptiness. And that's what we're going to talk about as we move forward this morning. I want you to turn to your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Now, the Apostle Paul is dealing with a church that has had some internal pressure. There's been a group of people trying to Judaize the Christians there and to say to them, no, 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 you're free in Christ, but, but there's also these other things that we need to bring in from the old law that you need to do. It's sort of a Jesus plus mentality. And this has really pulled the congregation, the people, in two different directions. So Paul addresses that, and then he says, here's how you get through that. And this is our, our one verse we're really going to be our, in our anchor this morning is going to be right here in Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those of the household of faith. Now, we're going to break this down real simply, but Galatians 6 and 7 through 10, I think, tells us a great deal about how our involvement in the lives of the church body and in the lives of those outside of the church body makes a great deal of difference in our own spiritual well-being. So I hope if you're feeling empty this morning, you'll listen up so that you can be filled up. Verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. This right here is something that I need you to get. This is a universal, irrevocable, irreversible, undeniable truth of life. And the universal truth is exactly this. You get out what you put in. If you are feeling like you're not getting much out of church, then you are probably not putting much into it. If you are not getting something out of anything, whether that is your marriage, whether that is your children and your parenting, whether that's at your workplace or the job that you, if you're not getting much out of retirement, you're not putting much into it if you're not getting much out of it. We know this is true scientifically. There's some laws in thermodynamics which are very complicated ways of saying You can't get anything more out of this engine than you put into it. Maybe you've pulled out the old lawnmower and you've started mowing your lawn already. Or maybe you will here in a week or two. But when you do that, it will be impossible for you to do anything 
until you first pour the fuel into the tank. It doesn't work like this. You don't get to go to the lawnmower and say, you know, this, you start it and you pull it and you try and work on it. And you kick the thing. And you say, I hate this lawnmower. Why can't I get more out of it? You never give me anything. That lawnmower won't give you one ounce of energy until you pour some energy into it. The same is true in every area of life. It's not just true scientifically. It's true in the world of farming and agriculture. A farmer, Ronnie Mock, went out there and he, and he went out to plant a field and he he disked the field and he pulled up all the weeds and he got the soil ready and it was conditioned and it was fertilized, it was watered and he went out there and he just waited for a harvest without planting a single seed. You'd call him a foolish farmer, wouldn't you? Because he's not going to get a harvest until he plants something. Nothing's coming up until until something is put in. My question is, what are you putting into it? What are you putting into your spiritual life? What are you putting into the church body? If you're not getting anything out, my guess is you didn't plant anything. You talk about your job. You're dissatisfied with your job. You're depressed. You don't like where you work. You think the boss is a jerk. You think your coworkers are all jerks. You, you just go there every day and you go in late and you leave early because you just despise being there. And let me tell you, it's going to get worse because if you keep up with that attitude, they're going to fire you. Do you know why? Because you're not putting anything in. You get out what you put in, but if you go in a little bit early and you have a smile on your face while you're there and you act like you're joyful in being there and that you appreciate what you get, you say, well, I don't appreciate anything about my job. Preacher, you got an easy job. All you got to do is talk for an hour a week. That's it. I got real problems with real people. Let me tell you, by chance, is it possible, you say, I cannot appreciate anything about my job. Uh, by chance, do they pay you every couple of weeks or every month? Because if not, you're working there for free, you can leave any time you want. But do they pay you? I bet you like getting paid. You got one thing. And if you start, you can start making an entire list of health insurance and benefits and people that you like and things that you have that other jobs wouldn't allow you to do. And you begin to appreciate that job. And then you begin to say, you know what? It's not the perfect job, but if I pour some of myself into it, I'll get more out of it. It's true scientifically. It's true relationally. It's true in your family life. It's true in your marriage. You wonder what exactly happened to your spouse. What exactly happened to that old spark in that old flame? Now, I see a lot of elbows flying here. When you began that marriage, you woke up before you even got married. When you began that relationship, you got up and they were the first person you thought about. And you you called them if you were in pre-2000, after 2000, you probably texted them, I get it, but... They were the first thought you wanted to pour into them. You said every now and again, you said, let's go somewhere. Let's go get coffee. Let's go to a movie. Let's go on a date. See, you poured into them just for random reasons. You would send them flowers for no reason, just because you loved them. And see, you poured into them. And so you got you see, you you yielded a harvest from that relationship. And it's a weird thing. But sometimes when two people who love each other very much Say those vows, for some reason they think that the law stops. 
that they can stop pouring into their marriage and it won't have an effect. And so seven years out, they feel dissatisfied and a coworker comes up and starts flirting a little bit. And all of a sudden there's a trouble in paradise. You got to pour in if you want to get anything out. It's true in your parenting. If you drop your children off at school and expect the educators to completely do all the work and then you pick them up and, and you don't really talk to them on the way home. When you get home, you just stare at your phone or your iPad. You don't invest any time into them and then you bring them to church because that's the only Bible they get during the week and you're hoping Mike, Mike better be doing a good job because he better be pouring in them. I expect them in six years to be spiritual. You get it? That's my expectation and, and they, aren't in six years because you haven't poured anything into them. And so why would you expect to get anything different out of them? It's true in your marriage parenting. It's true in your relationships. You say, I don't have any friends. And you sit there looking like it's the end of the world with that dour look on your face. You're terribly unhappy. And every time somebody asks you, how is life going? You say, Pretty terrible. You know, you start sounding like Eeyore. And you wonder why no one wants to hang out with you. People need some help. And you have an opportunity to help them and you don't help them. And you wonder why you don't have any relationships. You see, you got to put in before you get out. So, the same is true in your church life. That's what involvement is all about. We have involvement ministers, we have involvement surveys, but at the end of the day, you get out of something what you put into something. And if it's true in every area of life, it's equally true in the church body as well. How is it that two separate families can come to a church body at the same time, have the same number of kids, be at the same life stage and get a totally different experience when they come to a church. All has to do with what they're ready to put into the church. Now, there are two caveats to the universal law. Uh, one I already addressed, and that is your attitude. You can pour. In other words, I'll use it like this. This morning, you could have gone through the order of worship. You say, okay, I need. I know we need to sing here. You see, uh, pray here, uh, do the Lord's Supper here, take that, take that. Okay, going to listen to the sermon, and then closing prayer, and we are done. You have technically gone through the order of worship. You have not worshipped. Because your attitude has been wrong. You haven't, you've done the right thing, but you've done it in the wrong way. You know this if you've been parenting for longer than 30 seconds. Your child can do technically what you ask them to do, but done with a poor attitude or rebellious heart will mean that they will not get out what they put in. The second caveat is time. If you are doing the right thing and pouring into your church life and your spiritual life, and you're doing it with the right attitude... The only trick here is, have you given it enough time? I'll go back to my Ron Mock illustration. Let's assume that he did all the things that we talked about, prepared the soil, removed the weeds, 
and he planted the seed. And it's been watered. And after he does all that, he waits exactly 24 hours. He goes back out the next day and he checks on his fields. And he's real upset. He goes into Ginger and says, I'm out of the farming business. I quit. Why? Because there's no harvest. I did everything that I'm supposed to do. And there's no harvest. Well, Ron knows, as all farmers do, you've got to give it time. Okay? If you're new to a church body and you're doing the right things and you have the right attitude, just keep doing and give it enough time and you'll see the harvest. Let's go, go to Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Paul says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap the corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. The question is, when you come to serving, who are you going to serve? Whether you intend to pour into the church life or not, whether you intend to pour into your marriage or not, really comes down to the question of who are you going to serve? Am I going to serve the Spirit? Am I going to yield to the Spirit? Or am I going to serve myself? It's easy to serve yourself. It's easy to serve the flesh. You did that today easily enough. You ate food that you liked. You put on clothes that make you comfortable. You sat in a place in the auditorium that's good for you. Serving the flesh is easy and natural. Serving the spirit is much harder to do. Serving the spirit, as an example of sitting in the auditorium, serving the spirit says, I see that, I see that there's some guests and unfortunately they have no place to sit. And so I get up. And I say, here, take my spot so that I can serve what the Spirit wants. That's uncomfortable for me, but that's what yielding to the Spirit means. You're in Galatians 6. Turn back just one chapter and look at Galatians 5. Paul reminds the brothers at Galatia of this truth. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only... Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. When you serve, what you're doing is pouring in to others. Um, The problem with preaching this part of the message is... In my mind, I have positive examples and negative examples. I don't want to choose the negative examples because they're not helpful and they pick on people. But the problem with choosing the positive examples is if I don't choose your name, you think I don't like you. That's not true. I just want to share with you some positive examples. Sometimes people say I don't need to serve in the spirit because I'm too new. Uh, I'm just real new here, I don't know anybody, and I don't fit in. I want to tell you about Jared and Abby Griffith. When they came, uh, they had three little boys, and they were very enthusiastic and joyful about serving in the body. 
When a person places membership at Northside, Mark does a new to, uh, not new to Northside, a, a new members class. In the new members class, he spends a few hours going through all of the opportunities to get in and to connect. The particular new members class that Jared and Abby were a part of, Mark was going down the ministry list and he came to the part about the holiday baskets. He said, now we have had some wonderful servants over the years have done a great job, but they're at a time of life where they're needing to pull out. And so currently we don't have anyone to oversee this ministry. And Abby, with all the enthusiasm and joy, just said, oh, we can do that. And she did. They did. And they, they were very new to Northside, but they were very willing to just jump in and serve. I knew they were going to be a great fit at Northside, and they have been, because that's a beautiful kind of spirit to have. It doesn't make excuses. I mean, she could have had all sorts of excuses, three little ones and, and uh, just uh, at a crazy, busy stage of life, a new church, don't know anybody very well. She could have easily sat back and just said, well, it won't be me. But she did. She had a wonderful example of a serving spirit. Why is that important? A few months ago, Miss Abby had a beautiful baby girl named Chloe. Now, as is the custom at Northside, when you have a, a new baby, uh, usually the classes take care of bringing meals or something like that. And so when Miss Abby had Chloe, the email came out, and I texted Christy, and I said, did we sign up for a day? And her response was, I tried, but it's already full. Why is that? Why are there people jumping at the opportunity to serve the Griffiths? Because the Griffiths say, I, in, prior to that, have said, I, here am I, send me. I want to serve. I want to help. They didn't make excuses. They said, I have two hands, I have a heart that loves the Lord, and I'm willing to serve. Some people say, well, I, I'm just too old. You know, I served back in the church back in the day, and there's that part of the Bible that talks about being able to retire from Christian service at, at, at age 65. Um, I can't remember what scripture that is. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. It's rare that, and I will come in here early on Sunday mornings to practice. It is very rare that on a Sunday morning I can beat John and Ann Downey to the building. Because they're here preparing things for their class. Annie's working on flowers and stuff like that. And other, other ladies too. They serve and serve and serve and serve. It's hard to help serve John and Annie Downey. So when they had a 50th anniversary celebration. And their children wondered. How many will come? Guys there were hundreds of folks ready to celebrate with John and Annie and to commend them on keeping their marriage because they had poured into so many other people. You say, well, I'm just a nobody. I can't really do anything. My part is too small. I want to tell you about Bob Kingsley. Bob Kingsley has gone on to his reward, but his legacy is still outliving him. And Bob Kingsley, for many years... Every single Sunday would stand right outside those south doors. And when he saw you, you would have thought he'd been waiting all morning just for you. He had a handshake for the guys and a hug for the ladies. And he would say, how are you? It's good to see you. 
I'm glad you're here. You know, Bob just didn't do that here at Northside. He was that way in life. He was that kind of bus driver up in Sedgwick. He was that kind of man in the town. He did little things over and over again that showed the love of Christ wherever he went. And so when from this stage, Steve and I did his funeral, we had basically the town of Sedgwick in here. And many, 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 many from the church. Why is that? Because because Bob's job was so big and wonderful? No, because he did what he did with enthusiasm and zeal and love and passion, and he poured himself each and every week. It really comes down to a seven-word test. If you want to ask for yourself this week, it's a simple seven-word test. Who have I served today besides myself? You want to be involved? You want to be connected? Begin to pour yourself into others. Proverbs 11 verse 25 says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And the one who waters will himself be watered. If you are feeling empty this morning, what I am telling you very simply is to pour. To pour yourself into other people. This morning it could be people on your pew. It could be a newcomer. This is their first time to Northside or maybe second or third. And no one's talked to them. And God's got you sitting right next to them in hopes that you will pour. Or you bring your children to Bible class every week and you think, boy, that teacher, she sure looks exasperated. Looks like she could use some help. And God's calling you to pour. God's calling you to pour yourself. Whoever enriches others, Proverbs 11 says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And the one who waters himself will be watered. And God gives you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be filled. But it's in your hands As to whether or not you're going to pour, to do, to connect, God cannot be mocked. You get out exactly what you put in. And you say, look at that person over there. Why is their life overflowing? Look at that person over there. How come they have more friends? Look at that person over there. Why is they, why are they overflowing? Because they have poured and poured and poured and poured. And when life shakes them, there is overflow of what they have poured. My question to you this morning is, what are you pouring? Who have you served today besides yourself? It's easy to look at a full cup and a full vessel and a full life and say, I sure wish I could have what they have. But very few people want to do the pouring. And that's what God calls us to do first. You get out what you put in. So put in exactly what you want to get out. Pour and pour and pour and pour. And if I get my suit a little wet from one illustration, that's okay. 
if you will get it. That if you're not getting out, if your cup is not full, then you have not been pouring. Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. We'll finish with this. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. One caveat here. If we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, the good news is you have plenty of opportunities. God's got a whole week full of opportunities. You're at a church that has so many opportunities. We make surveys pages long to say, here are the opportunities. And you may say, I filled out that survey and no one's ever called me. Okay, then God closed that door. Seek new opportunities. There's a ton of them. Just don't give up. Do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. If you haven't seen the overflow come yet, I want to give you three simple tips that I think will help you. Number one, you got to persist. Okay? Now, the good news is, as I said, we have an involvement minister, and he told me, he said, Mark, or Toby, I just want you to know, I want to do whatever I can to help these people get involved. And so I said, Mark, is it okay if I give out your cell phone? He said, yes, that'd be great. You tell them to call any time. You tell them to call or text or whatever. Send me a video. That's fine. Okay? you got to persist. Oh, I don't know if I have enough time to give you some science here. Okay. In this picture... It looks like the water's doing nothing. Actually, that's not true. The water's doing a great deal. Uh, scientists have studied something, and they have labeled it, and it's called hydrostatic pressure. The word simply means hydrostatic, right? Water sitting still. What means is, is when that water's sitting still, even though it looks like it's sitting still, it's not. You know what it's doing? It's pushing. It's pushing on the walls of the picture. It's seeking another way out. It's pushing and pushing and pushing and persisting. And you say, why is that important? Because it's what gives you water pressure when you wake up in the morning. It's what allows you to flush the toilet. It is, it is so important to your life that the water keeps pushing and doesn't give up. There's a lesson in there for us, and that is to persist. Don't give up. Number two, you got to have patience. You may have to advance it for me, guys. No, I got it. We know the scriptures say, wait upon the Lord. That was true for every single person of God. Moses was a shepherd for 40 years before he led the flock of Israel. David was a shepherd before he became king. Joseph was a prisoner before he became prime minister. Even Jesus... There are 18 years of Jesus' life that we have no record of except to know that he was probably a carpenter. Even Jesus had to spend a lot of time near the wood and the nails before he got close to the cross. And if God has you in a time of waiting, you are in good company, so give it time. And number three, practice. Make the most of every opportunity. If you feel unconnected right now, before the day ends, call or text Mark Yakely and say, I need help, I need connection, I need to serve, I need opportunities, and he'll give you a list. I'm confident. 
And then it compounds. The more you do it, the more you connect, the more you serve, the more connected you feel, the more served you become. So put it into practice. Seize the day. Carpe diem. At, uh, in the summertime here in a few months, we're going to be at the Goddard Pool. And the Goddard Swimming Pool has swim lessons and it also has the swim team practice. As I have been to that pool many times, as my son is on the swim team and daughter's taking swimming lessons, I noticed that there are three types of people at the pool. There are the watchers. They are the ones who sit outside the fence or on the bench, and usually they have their arms crossed or they're staring at their phones. They are, they are disconnected. They are away from where the action is, sometimes for legitimate reasons, but they're just the watchers. The second group of people are the waiters. They are the people who are in where they're comfortable. They just dip their toe in a little bit. They're the little children in the shallow end. They are just doing what they're comfortable. And then there are those kids. Then there, I don't know what they eat for breakfast, but they come to the pool ready to swim. And they rip off their clothes almost before they get to the changing room. And they run out and they climb up, not the small diving board, but the very top highest one. And with all the gusto they can muster, as fast as they run out that ladder, they bail toward the front of that diving board. And with everything they have, they jump and make the biggest splash their 65-pound bodies can make. Those, those are the wowers. You got the watchers, you got the waiters, and you got the wowers. And I want to encourage you today to be a wower. Go all in. Don't just sit on the sidelines watching everybody else, but get wet. Jump with all your might. Give it everything you have. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do it as working for the Lord, not for men. There is no substitute for passion. May we be passionate about serving in the way of the Spirit and serving the bodies the way we serve ourselves. This morning, I want to invite you to go all in, quite literally. (laughs) If you have not put on Christ, if you have not started the journey, it starts in the water. And if you haven't done that, we'd like to help you do that. Or if you've done that, but you find yourself going back to being a waiter or just a watcher, and you're not connected. Maybe you need to repent, not of sinning, but of sitting. Maybe you need to get involved and reconnected again. If you need to jump in and serve in the way in which God is calling you to pour into the lives of others. This morning, whatever your need is, I pray that you'll come. The water's ready, and so are we, as together we stand and sing. Would you be free from the burden of sin?